Greetings and good health. I am Dr. Jerrica Sarko, a pediatric and family wellness chiropractor. This is your Lifeline to Vitality, where we discuss ways to cultivate family wellness. Good day and great health. This is your Lifeline to Vitality, and today let's talk about the tip of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg phenomena is a common description in medicine to portray the mostly unseen phenomena of disease. I would like to share with you a recent peer-reviewed case report I did that aims to drill through this phenomena. The case report involves the effects of chiropractic care in an infant with gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD, infantile colic, and failure to thrive. Infantile regurgitation, colic, and functional constipation are the three most common functional gastrointestinal disorders, or FGIDs. Half of all infants suffer from at least one FGID or related sign and symptoms during the first year of birth. FGIDs are the most common motivation for parents to consult a healthcare professional in the first months after birth. In this case, the mother came to our office with her three-month-old daughter for consultation and possible care. The infant was medically diagnosed with infantile colic, GERD, and failure to thrive. Symptoms were first noticed when the parents took the child home from the neonatal intensive care unit. The baby spent 13 days in the NICU and was fed via tube since birth. Issues had only worsened since they brought her home. Parents were having a difficult time dealing with the child's symptoms. Since birth, the child was unable to hold down more than 3 ounces of formula per feeding without spitting it up and or crying. An ultrasound imaging of the womb determined that the umbilical cord was wrapped around the infant's neck twice. She was then delivered prematurely by C-section at 34 weeks. After three weeks at home since leaving the NICU, the parents took the infant to her pediatrician. The pediatrician first prescribed Zantac. After four weeks of use, the child had no improvement. The pediatrician then prescribed Prilosec and Pepsin. After another two weeks of Prilosec and Pepsin, no improvement was noticed. The mother came to the office alone since the husband was very hesitant to take their child to a chiropractor. He didn't believe that chiropractic care for babies had any merit. When the child came into my office, she was slightly agitated and crying. She had a noticeable right head tilt when doing my visual postural examination. Hypertonic or tight muscles were felt throughout the upper cervical region, notably on the right side. With motion palpation testing, The C1 or atlas vertebra had restricted motion on the right, both with rotation and lateral flexion. Utilizing the Kale upper cervical specific protocol, I performed neurocolometer and chirometer testing. The neurocolometer indicated a four-point break to the right. The chirometer readings were 85.5 degrees Fahrenheit on the left and 86.5 degrees Fahrenheit on the right. An upper cervical x-ray series was then performed. This consists of two views, a lateral cervical and anterior-posterior open mouth, or APOM. Analysis showed that the C1 vertebra was misaligned 1 millimeter to the right and 1 degree superior from the normal standard measurements. Contacting the posterior arch of the C1 vertebra, I delivered a gentle toggle torque with recoil adjustment. 
20 minutes after the adjustment, testing revealed a three-point break to the left with the neurocalometer and a chirometer reading of 87.5 degrees to the left and 87 degrees to the right. 30 minutes after the adjustment, another set of tests indicated a one-point swing to the right and 87 degrees bilaterally with the chirometer. The infant attended care for three visits over a two-week period. Only one adjustment was given. Scans on the other two visits indicated that no subluxation was present. The mom noted when they returned home after the child's adjustment, her daughter went immediately to sleep and took a long nap. This was unusual for her to take a long nap during the day. After waking from the nap, the infant ate without difficulty and then went back to sleep. On the second visit five days later, the infant was still maintaining sleep and the mom noticed overall improvement. She was able to consume four to five ounces without any issues. The child was actually able to consume six ounces on the morning of the second visit. By the third visit, 12 days after the adjustment, the baby was consuming six ounces of food regularly without any issue. That morning, she was able to take in eight ounces of food. Her sleep and mood had continually improved as well. The infant went for a checkup later that week, and the medical doctor was surprised by her formula consumption, weight gain, and resolution of failure to thrive symptoms. The family has since moved out of town, and I have lost track of the child's progress. Issues of infantile colic and failure to thrive are consequences of GERD. Both infantile colic and failure to thrive are diagnoses of exclusion. This means their diagnosis is usually determined from a process of elimination. When there is a failure to find the cause of a child's excessive crying or failure to to feed properly, a diagnosis of either colic or failure to thrive is provided. Studies show that pharmacological treatment of GERD with drugs such as Zantac, Prilosec, and Pepsin has little to no effect. There are also significant risks and adverse effects associated with these drugs. Pediatricians are not practicing to the published evidence. Only 2% of pediatricians completely adhere to pediatric, gastroenterology, hepatology, and nutrition guidelines. 56% of pediatricians prescribe proton pump inhibitors, or PPIs, to infants with unexplained crying and or distressed behavior. 38% of pediatricians prescribe PPIs to infants with uncomplicated recurrent regurgitation and vomiting. In one study, 79% of pediatricians surveyed actually reported to over-prescribing PPIs. Adverse effects have been reported in at least 34% of those treated with proton pump inhibitors. These include headaches, diarrhea, nausea, and constipation. Acid suppression may even place immune-deficient infants and children at risk for the development of lower respiratory tract infections and nosocomial sepsis. In comparison, adverse effects have been reported in 0.83% of those patients under chiropractic care. Adverse effects under chiropractic care usually consist of self-limiting events such as muscle soreness that does not require medical attention. In conclusion, I hope this case report provides an educational vehicle and evidence on the successfulness of chiropractic care for an infant suffering from GERD, infantile colic, and or failure to thrive. Thank you for listening. 
For even more information on how chiropractic can benefit you and your family, please check out my website, ohiospecific.com. That's O-H-I-O-S-P-E-C-I-F-I-C.com. Until next time, remember to keep your head cool, feet warm, and your mind busy. 